The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to take a moment to welcome members of our armed forces who are joining us from remote locations via the Internet. Thank you for being with us again. My guest today is former United States Representative and Senator from Florida, Mr. Connie Mack III. He'll be here in a few moments to talk about how to engender greater bipartisan cooperation in our nation's capital, as well as what happened to all those major tax reforms we've all been waiting for. With so much of the news focused on foreign policy these days, well, a person might get the impression that we've got a firm grip on tax reform and the next debt ceiling crisis, which incidentally is right around the corner. But before Connie Mack joins us, as is my custom each and every week, let me tell you a little about his background. Mack was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He comes from a long line of politicians, but perhaps his most revered relative was his grandfather, Connie Mack, who was the owner and manager of the Philadelphia Athletics and member of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Connie Mack III graduated from the University of Florida with a degree in business. Mack served as the United States Representative of Florida's 13th District, 13th District from 1983 to 89, and from 89 to 2001 served in the United States Senate. And if I have my facts right, Mack is the only Republican senator to be elected to more than a single term in the state of Florida. Throughout his distinguished career in Congress, Mack was known for his work in health care, finance, and tax reform. He was an aggressive advocate for deficit reduction. He co-authored the Graham-Rudman-Hollings Balanced Budget Act, which automatically forced budget cuts in the event the government failed to achieve deficit reduction goals. In 2005, Mack was also appointed by President Bush to chair the President's Advisory Panel for Federal Tax Reform. Mack led a bipartisan committee which doubled funding for biomedical research and was responsible for Medicare coverage of clinical trials. He's also widely known as a Republican voice for women's health issues. Mack is the recipient of the Susan G. Komen Award, the National Coalition for Cancer's Lifetime Achievements Award and the American Cancer Society's Courage Award. He has been heralded for his reforms in health care by medical organizations throughout the country. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report one of those rare leaders who commands equal respect from both sides of the political aisle on and off the field, Mr. Connie Mack III. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Mack. Oh, well, thank you, Rebecca. It's a, a great opportunity to be with you. And with that kind introduction, I might even think about running again. Oh, I wish you would. Just a joke. uh, Oh, please tell me it's not a joke. (laughs) Well, we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, I wanted to open today's program by asking you about uh, the next fiscal crisis that's just getting ready to hit us. If Washington fails to reach a budget deal, uh, we face the possibility of another government shutdown on October 1st. And then shortly thereafter, we hit that debt ceiling limit again. So here comes that menacing fiscal cliff all over again. And you know, you're a person who introduced the Graham-Rudman Act, and, and you were an aggressive advocate for deficit reduction. Where did we go wrong? And in your view, what needs to happen next to stop this downward spiral? Well, I think, first of all, I think that the, the Congress will uh, come up with some form of agreement uh, uh, to keep the government uh, running. I think that uh, uh, everyone learned a lesson that uh, really nobody wins when uh, the political uh, leaders fail to um, uh, keep government up and running. There are other ways to <clears throat> carry out the debate 
So I think that there will be there will be a solution. It may you know the the process uh, you know may look a little um, uh, rugged as as they go through it, but I think that that they'll get that done. So um, I, I in in my mind I have kind of put that. Uh, into a, a category that, uh, yes, it's something we're not going to enjoy watching, but it'll get done and there won't be any real damage uh, as a result of the decisions. Well, they always seem to run the clock out. And uh, my dad my dad was a really a big role model for me, and I know your father was to you too. Uh, but one of the things my dad used to say is whenever my brother and I would make a ninth inning save, uh, my dad wasn't one of those guys that got up on his you know, feet and applauded you. He was more the kind of guy that pulled you aside and said, you know, if you'd have been doing a little better job during the first eight innings, you might not have needed a ninth inning save. It's just something to think about. And you never hear the coach really say that. Are, are we just addicted to running the clock out and all the suspense and drama that comes with it? Well, I'm a, I'm afraid it is, in fact, part of just human nature. I mean, think about. I suspect we all had the same experiences in our days at uh, in college, particularly where we'd have an exam and we would uh, we would wait till the eleventh hour to prepare for it. Uh, and it just seems to be human nature to do that. Uh, and that's point one. Point two: in a um, democratic system where you have these checks and balances, um, it. It, it takes deadlines to make people come to decisions. That's unfortunate, but that's the way it works, and it'll continue to work that way, I think, for generations to come. So are we talking about these Hollywood movies where a meteor has to be facing the Earth in the next 24 hours before we can get it together? <laughs> I, hope it, I hope it's not going to be that bad, but, but, but I, you, you get my drift. I mean, again, I do. human nature is we, we put off making these decisions until there's no other choice. Well, you know, speaking of preemption, Paul O'Neill warned leaders and the American people over a decade ago that we were going to be in this predicament. And from all appearances, it it looked as though that warning got him an invitation to step down as Secretary of the Treasury. So, so I, I'm curious as to whether... Either political party is prepared to take uh, unpopular measures to bring this budget under control. I mean, isn't isn't cutting programs the surefire way to lose an election? Well, that seems to be uh, uh, the case. Um, but I, if I can maybe just draw on my own experience, uh, I ran for the Senate my my first uh, term in the Senate in 1988. Yes, and the big issue that was on the table was a proposal that uh, 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 the, the Reagan administration, I think I've got my timing right on this. You know, this would have occurred in 1987. Mm-hmm. And so I'm running for the Senate in the state of Florida, uh, known for uh, you know its elderly population and concern for Medicare and so forth. Yes. Reagan had proposed um, a catastrophic health insurance plan. And um, uh, people said to me, there's no way, Connie, that you could vote against that catastrophic plan and run for the Senate. Uh, and win election. And um, my reaction to them was that there is no reason for me to run for the Senate. Uh, anybody else can uh, can run and just vote uh, for it and, and, and move on. And and, I, and maybe it was the reason that I had one of the closest elections uh, uh, for, for many, uh, many years here in Florida. I won mm-hmm. by less than half a percent. But I, the point that I'm trying to make there is I think if people are clear about what they believe, what they stand in, stand for, and they're willing to tell people what they're going to do and why they're going to do it, there's really no surprise later on if you, in fact, vote to reduce sp- uh, spending or uh, to, to uh, cut or eliminate programs. So it can be done, but it is not easy. On the other hand, uh, uh, you can certainly make the argument that those who are talking about the way to solve the problem is raising taxes, the same argument that, well, if you vote to raise taxes, you'll never get elected. Um, so uh, while those of both points of view do have um, significant impact and influence on, on people, uh, we've been able to solve these kind of problems uh, over generations, and I think we can. And, and the last point I would make is to go back to 1983, and Rebecca, maybe this brings us back to the bipartisan uh, nature of American politics that has existed in the past and certainly is, uh, 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 let's see, let's see, what would be, uh, it's in the bullpen right now. Um, 
1983, Tip O'Neill um, and uh, Ronald Reagan uh, came to an agreement with respect to Social Security. Um, a very challenging program to uh, to either raise taxes or cut spending. That was a challenging program, and it was a time our nation did come together. Unfortunately, we have to take a short commercial break, but when we come back, let's pick it up at that point, because you're right about the bipartisan nature of that initiative, and I'd like to be sure that we get that whole story out. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Costa Report. Do you love creating salads as much as you enjoy eating them? Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Dole inspires fresh and wholesome dishes for any meal with their wide selection of salad blends and all-natural salad kits. From the mild and tender texture of sweet butter lettuce to the crunch of classic romaine sprinkled with colorful shredded carrots and red cabbage, Dole has over 30 salad blends to satisfy every palate. If you're looking for the ultimate in convenience, try Dole's unique salad kit combinations that include farm-fresh lettuces and vegetables, mouth-watering all-natural toppings, and specially made dressings. It's all you need to make a distinctively delicious salad. The possibilities are endless. Visit www.dolesalads.com for recipes and other ideas to feed your culinary imagination. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars. Now, everyone knows that my favorite is your Pinot Noir, but Caraccioli's known for a lot more than that. It's really the bubbles that kind of differentiates what we're doing in the area as opposed to a lot of our peers. And the way that we looked at it was there's great Chardonnay and Pinot Noir fruit in the Santa Lucia Highlands in the greater Monterey County. And we wanted to be able to utilize those grapes and showcase them in a little bit different light. And to do that comes a little bit of a laborious process in terms of making sparkling wine and doing A little it. bit? A lot of bit, <laughs> but still definitely worth the trouble and worth the wait. Um, we're currently selling 2006 and 2007 sparkling wines in the beginning of 2013. So it kind of tells you the time invested as well as all of the different techniques that we use and Michelle implements to ensure that we're delivering a quality product. Thank you for being with us again, Scott. Thank you, Rebecca. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the Total Transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-800-642-8896. 1-800-642-8896. That's 1-800-642-8896. 1-800-642-8896. Tune in to KSCO Presents Georgia every Wednesday from noon to 2 on KSCO. Well, you know, whether you're affected directly or not, when our fellow Americans, our hard-working, tax-paying Americans are affected, we're all affected. We can't sit back and say, oh, I've got my job and I'm okay and I'm safe. This can happen to anybody. And this overreach of what they're doing in every area of our life is what I'm screaming about weekly. It's hideous what's happened to us. And the state of California, this great state that used to be the gold state is in such deep trouble and yet these people keep doing the kinds of things that you're talking about that's going to drive more businesses out put more people out of work and where is the sanity in that georgia gives it to you right between the eyes because she's looking for hearts and minds to get involved so we can take back america listen to ksco presents georgia every wednesday from noon to two on ksco am 1080 Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former Senator from Florida, Connie Mack III. And before the break, we were talking about a specific bipartisan effort by Tip O'Neill, and uh, we had to go to a commercial break, but let's pick it up there. 
Well, there, there was a there was a commission that was established uh, to solve the Social Security problem. The crisis was huge back in eighty eighty one. There was a report that came forward, and that that report called for a, a straight up and down vote on the uh, members of the House and the Senate. Either they're for it or they're they're against it. Both uh, uh, President Reagan and Speaker Tip O'Neill came out in support of uh, that proposal. And because of that, it was easier for the Congress uh, to uh, pass that legislation. Uh, it was rather sweeping. It was surprising that, uh, um, that members of both parties could swallow and accept the tax increases and the reductions in benefits uh, that were called for. So I, I, I pointed that out as just um, these things can be solved. Um, and I, 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 during the break, I was thinking to myself uh, that uh, your listeners may be uh, thinking, well, you've got a real Pollyanna on the on the call today. I just want them to know, look, at, I get as frustrated and angry and upset and uh, a number of other adjectives as, as to what's going on in Washington today. But I also have this belief that uh, this democracy of ours uh, will survive and these problems will be solved. But you have to admit, it's a little tough to picture uh, Speaker Boehner and uh, Obama uh, standing up side by side, shoulder to shoulder, uh, and urging everyone to approve something. I mean, it's just not really the same climate, I don't think. It it, it doesn't appear to be that way. I agree with you. And uh, they they came fairly close a couple of years ago in that uh, debt ceiling uh, crisis. Yeah, and, but I think and, for two yeah. days, <laughs> for for two whole days, it, it was looking really good. I agree. <laughs> well, um, I, I think most of us understand that there are two ways we can deal with deficit spending. We can we can cut costs. That's one of them. And the other is raising revenues, which in this case means taxes. So a little while back, Americans were pretty shocked to discover that a company that's profitable like General Electric uh, paid no taxes, and Warren Buffett pays a lower rate than his secretary. And and that these loopholes are really they're perfectly legal. So is this a problem with the tax rate or is it the the very complexity of the tax code itself? And, or is it the results of, of years of lobbying by large business? Well, what is our issue here? Yeah, well, I think it's a, it's a little bit of, of all that. I mean, uh, when we when we began the effort, uh, you know, I guess it was 2005 with the commission, um, and it was a, a mix of Democrats and Republicans on the commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, Senator John Bro was the co-chair of that uh, that effort. But as you looked at the tax code, you could see uh, very quickly what so many people uh, know firsthand is the complexity is unbelievable. And you've got most most I would say ninety five percent, if not more, uh, members of the Congress have to have somebody. Uh, calculate their taxes. Uh, this is when it's gotten so complicated. When something is as complicated as this, you start losing support for it, and people, you know, try to find ways to get around it. Um, so that's that's one point. The second is if you go back again to, I guess it was 1986 when we passed a very sic- significant tax reform package. Mm-hmm. Um, it did clear uh, the decks, if you will. Uh, of many, many, many of the complexities of the code. But over the next uh, 30 years, uh, members of the Congress uh, introduced uh, proposals to make this modification uh, to adjust adjust what in their mind and those who proposed it was a problem that was existing in uh, our economy and or society. And so year after year after year, New um, new uh, items would be added to the code, and every time uh, it, it it creates more complexity and um, less compliance. So um, we need to get back to a a, a, a simpler, fairer uh, tax. Uh, when people hear uh, that a company is not paying taxes, or an individual is paying a very very low rate. They think it's unfair, and, and, and I think on its surface it's unfair. They want to see a code that reflects a fairness for all of us, uh, that you can believe that your neighbor down the street is paying the same rate, if you will, uh, as I am, and that you don't have to worry about that they've found some loophole so that they have less 
of a tax to pay than you do. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. Our tax code is now over 74,000 pages, and it looks to be growing at about uh, roughly 4% every year. And the more complex it gets, the less ability the person on the street has to figure out how to pay less. I mean, large companies like GE can hire buildings and buildings of expert tax accountants and lawyers who enable them to pay nothing and do and, and to do it perfectly legally. So in my view, complexity favors the most resourceful in society. So how do we get a streamlined tax system? How do we do this? Well, um Boy, there's so many different ways to 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 talk about this. Uh, there's process uh, being one. Um, there uh, um, are different types of taxes that you could look at uh, to change the system. Would be a second. Uh, for example, there was when we went through the uh, the tax panel in 2005. One of the really big issues politically that was out there was uh, you may recall this. It was called the fair tax. Mm-hmm. And the, fair, and the fair tax was a sales tax, uh, and a sales tax is basically a consumption tax versus an income tax, which we have now. And there are many people who have argued for years, and I happen to be one of those that believe we ought to be working more and more towards a consumption tax versus an income tax. What's the obstacle, uh, but, what's the obstacle to that fair tax? What's the obstacle to going to a consumption task, tax? Well, I don't know that there is an obstacle. Well, yes, of course, there are obstacles to a consumption tax, but the the fair tax ran into problems because of the way it was structured. Um, The cost cost of it, they made assumptions, for example, that there would be no um, exemptions. Mm-hmm. And so think about uh, the, the, the sales tax in your state or in any state in the, in the country. Um, every state legislature eventually gets to the point where they're exempting things from the sales tax. You know, it might be food, it might sure. be health care, and you go on down the line. Oh, mortgages, these, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, they made an assumption that there would be no exemptions. Uh, and that was not a realistic su- assumption. And I think that the proposal at the time, I think, called for like a 23 cent uh, sales tax. Uh, our calculations on that said that that sales tax would be at least over 30 and, and could be, depending on uh, uh, other calculations, could be as high as 40 or, or 50 percent. Uh, and you start adding that to the sales tax that's already in existence in the states. And uh, the state's reliance on sales taxes as their primary source of uh, revenue, then you begin to see some of the tensions that would take place uh, with respect to the idea of going to a national sales tax. Yeah, I can see where those uh, tensions are, but in the long run... Uh, we have to do what's fair, and complexity does not uh, make for a fair uh, playing field. And uh, so I'm very nervous about that. I mean, when you can hire 50 lawyers to get around the tax code, and, the, and you know, people at home are filling out a form on the Internet, uh, you're just not going to have an equal payment syst- uh, system. All right. right, we have to take a quick uh, commercial break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Costa Report. Did you know that every day we create 2.5 quintillion bytes of data and that 90% of the data in the world today has been created in the last two years alone? This data comes from everywhere and it affects everyone. This data is big data. Big data is all data and it's more than simply a matter of size. Big data represents an opportunity to uncover new insights, make your business more agile and answer questions that were previously beyond your reach. IBM's big data platform uses sophisticated technologies and patented advanced analytics designed to complement your existing information infrastructure. The IBM big data platform allows you to get started quickly today and expand to address more complex problems tomorrow. It doesn't matter where you start. It matters that you start. Find out how IBM can help you turn big data into a competitive advantage by visiting ibm.com slash big data today. Hey, buddy, it's me, your laptop. That's right, your little modern marvel of technology you've been abusing for months. Dude, we need to talk. Do you really think that those free PC Fix-It programs are any match for today's spyware and malware? 
not to mention the NSA and some of those websites you've been visiting. Now, I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying. You need to take me to Peter and the friendly staff at User-Friendly Computing to get me back into tip-top shape. Tired of unfriendly computer support? Slow computer? Viruses? Spyware? No problem. Call the friendly computer experts at User-Friendly Computing. We take care of all your PC, Macintosh, and laptop needs. Mention KSCO and get a free $50 diagnostic. Visit us today at 505 River Street on the way to downtown Santa Cruz, across from Gateway Plaza. We give you a choice. Drop your computer by the shop, or we'll come to you. Call us today at 423-9653. User-Friendly Computing. For the last 60 years, Coast Paper and Supply has been serving locals and businesses for all their cleaning and paper supply needs. With an 1,800-square-foot showroom and nearly 5,000 products, you'll find everything you're looking for in the way of janitorial supplies, retail and industrial packaging, and disposable food service products for business or home, not to mention their huge selection of boxes and shipping supplies. Their family-owned and operated business is located at 151 Josephine on River Street in Santa Cruz. Call 831-423-3350 or visit Coast Paper Supply. Inc.com, a proud member of Think Local First. If you're the type of person who likes to volunteer and help others, this should interest you. What better way to help people than to help them overcome their health challenges? Longevity has been helping people overcome their health challenges for years. Our approach to health is drastically different than medical doctors who mostly only treat symptoms. As a veterinarian, Dr. Joel Wallach discovered that many common disease states are actually preventable and reversible. Our mission at Longevity is to educate Americans about their own health. If you like helping people, join us in our fight to save America. While you're helping people prevent and overcome health challenges, you will also be able to build a lucrative home-based business. So what are you waiting for? Come join us and help save America. For more information or to order, call Andy or Phyllis Anderson at 888-245-0300. That's 888-245-0300. Eat, Drink, Explore Radio is your lifestyle information source. Our focus includes food, wine, craft beer, travel and tourism trends, emphasizing healthy, local, and sustainable options. We've got you covered from 8 to 10 each and every Sunday morning, live, right here on KSEO AM 1080. Eat, Drink, Explore Radio, your source for the lifestyle you love. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former Senator from Florida, Mr. Connie Mack III. And before the break, we were talking about streamlining the tax code and moving to something uh, similar to a consumption tax in order to eliminate loopholes, uh, which currently favor the most resourceful. So just to continue with the subject of taxes for a moment, um, with all the recent hubbub about IRS overreach under the current administration, um, you'd think it might be a good time to remove the opportunity for IRS abuse by going to a very simple and straightforward tax system. What do you think? I fully agree. Again, having been in the position that I was to be heading up this uh, a commission and and for the nine of us not to be able to come up with a way to get away from the income tax system that we know it uh, now was very frustrating to me so i I fully endorse and embrace this concept of a fairer simpler uh, flatter tax and that moves me into the other uh, big tax proposal uh, out there during the discussions in two thousand and five was the flat tax mm-hmm. uh, where you know, everybody, um, uh, in essence, pays the same rate. The, 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 the complicating factors, though, that come to the fore in that discussion uh, have to do with what sounds like a very simple question. Well, what's income? You know, is it, is, is it only wages? Oh, here we go. <laughs> or is, is it hourly income? Is it interest? Is it dividends? Is it capital gains? Should those all be treated equally? Do they have an in, do, do the do treating them the same have an impact on economic growth? Um, which of the deductions are, I mean, if you're going to eliminate them all, that would be great. But the question becomes, can you really do that? Can you get rid of the mortgage deduction? Can you get rid of charitable contributions? Uh, can you get rid of the um, uh, health care deduction? So 
You know, we went through all of these discussions, and we ended up, you know, making modifications to uh, the existing income tax. You know, and uh, uh, Rebecca, I went back and looked at that report, and I thought to myself, oh, you know, how inadequate we and, and and it was a proposal that we all embraced all nine of us well i i hate to say I, this i hate to say this mr mack but all the more reason you have to go back you can have to run again <laughs> there's a simple solution here go back and go back and do the job well let's let's but so, let's, so let me yeah. maybe take it to another another, yeah. another level because the question might be well why can't we get it done again you know it's been since ni- 1986 uh since we've had uh major tax reform there are a couple of thoughts that come to my mind one of them is that you know there are fewer and fewer and fewer people who actually are paying the income tax today mm-hmm. and that, that estimate is anywhere from say 45 percent uh, to maybe 50-plus percent, uh, are not paying an income tax. Certainly they pay sales taxes, they may be paying ad valorem taxes, they may be paying payroll taxes, but they're not paying income taxes. And so if you've got a huge number of, of the uh, population that really have no stake in the game, how do you get those people to come out and say you need to have tax reform? So it's, it, I think today it's much much harder to get um, the kind of political momentum it takes to build the cause of tax reform. So that's one. The second one, again, still goes back to the, uh, your, your basic comment at the beginning of this, bipartisan effort. Yes. The, the tax reform in 1986, again, came under President Reagan and Speaker Tip O'Neill and uh, you had Bill Bradley, Senator Bradley, a Democrat in the Senate, and Jack Kemp, a Republican congressman uh, in the House, uh, who were the intellectual leaders, those two individuals, the House member and the Senate member. That they were the intellectual and political leaders that drove that. And so I, I, don't, really, I don't really see that happening out there uh, today. Uh, you know, President Bush was serious about it in, in 2005, but a little thing called Katrina came along and destroyed uh, the agenda for the for the remaining of the year, and it never got back on track because we were then in 2006, and the campaigns for presidency started for 2008, and the congressional uh, races began. So, uh, but I don't see, I really don't see the drive and the uh, the political leaders to bring about tax reform at this time. I agree with you. I don't see the leadership. You named a cast of characters that I respect, knew, and liked very, very much. I just don't see that kind of leadership. And I don't necessarily, I think, agree that people that who are not paying income tax today could not be motivated. What I worry about is inspiring people to do the right thing for their country. You know, we don't have to legislate everything. I have this discussion with uh, people all the time. We don't have to legislate everything. Sometimes it behooves our, in, our, our leaders to come to the American people and just ask them to do the right thing, because when they do, we step up. We step yeah, up. It, we that. just have to be inspired to do the right thing for our country. And I don't know of a single person who's not willing to make a, a small or large sacrifice to put this nation back on track again and leave a better place for their children. I mean, everybody's motivated by that. I just don't see our leaders tapping into that. And I don't see them providing intellectual leadership, which troubles me a great deal. I, I think that that you hit the nail on the head there. So let's talk about that intellectual leadership. And let's talk about the big elephant in the room, these entitlement programs. I mean, while you were in the Senate, you were you were very active at expanding Medicare coverage for early checkups and early detection because, you know, you either pay the bill on the front end or the back end and uh, and also for clinical trials for some treatments. And what do you say to economists who say there is no way to bring spending in line with taxes unless we're prepared to look at Medicare and Social Security? We got to do it. I would agree with them. I would agree with them. 
Well, where's the guts to say that? Why why don't we have intellectually honest leaders that will come to the American people and say, yes, we know people are dependent on this, and we don't want to do this. Nobody in their right mind would want to do this, but it's necessary because we keep coming to the edge of the fiscal cliff, and we've got to get out of that cycle. Yeah, I, I, wish, I, I wish I had the answer to that question. Um, the question, though, brought to my mind, you remember Governor Lamb of Colorado? I do. And he, you know he was he 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 spoke uh, uh, very frankly about uh, uh, the, the the Medicare program and, and the need for reform. Mm-hmm. Um, but he but he got nowhere. Um, uh, the, the, the human nature seems to be one where it just goes back to say, well, how does it affect me? And if it affects me, I'm against it. Is the kind of knee-jerk reaction, and and I, I guess the other thing that uh, that, that pops into my mind uh, is that I think it's tougher for the political leaders today than it has been in the past. And when I, what I'm saying is, oh, you're so nice. <laughs> you're giving them a pass. <laughs> no, 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 is, no. I'm 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 in essence kind of blaming ourselves. Not you know. Mm-hmm. My, my take on this, you know, is that in a democracy, uh, you can't take the people beyond where they want to be. Mm-hmm. And so it's up to us uh, as citizens, individuals in the, in, in, the, in the country to bring about this change. We have to elect leaders that will do that. And um, so, so part of where I was going a minute ago was mm-hmm. that the, the the whole cable news network and the i mean the shrill voices that uh, just dominate the airwaves today mm-hmm. um you know it, it's 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 so so different i mean i i went to the house in 1983 and the house had i guess within a, the last couple of years had had put c-span you know opening up uh uh, the House of Representatives to television, and then the then the Senate passed it. Now they're talking about uh, it in the uh, Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then with all the cable companies and the and uh, and the and the talk shows, I mean, it, it just has people out there are are it is it has gotten people so angry and so upset that very intellectually uh, strong people. Uh, are are not engaging themselves in true, honest, intellectual discussions about the problem. Well, I agree with you, but we're certainly having one today, so I thank you for that opportunity. Now, we're going to take our last break, so keep your dial right where it's at. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Costa Report. If you listen to the news today, you might come away with the impression that our biggest challenges are political and economic. But if this were true, then countries which have different political and economic systems would be facing different problems. But they aren't. Every government and every nation is struggling with job creation, debt, immigration, climate change, terrorism, health care, energy, and wild swings in financial markets. So something else must be going on. That's why I'm inviting you to get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, a book which shows how the Roman, Mayan, and Khmer empires once faced similar challenges and what we can do to avoid their fate. Visit RebeccaCosta.com today and get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, because once you do, you'll never look at the world the same way. Fifty years ago, Dr. Martin Luther King delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech. But something you may not know is that Dr. King was represented by the world's foremost speaking agency, the American Program Bureau. The American Program Bureau has a courageous history of representing luminaries, entertainers, and motivators from all backgrounds. From Ronald Reagan, Richard Branson, and Mikhail Gorbachev to John Stewart, Michael Douglas, and Desmond Tutu. From A-list celebrities to best-selling authors, cutting-edge business leaders, and the greatest minds in academia, the American Program Bureau has speakers to fit every venue and every budget. When corporations, conferences, schools, and community organizations need an expert speaker, they turn to the American Program Bureau to 
help them craft an event that will be remembered long afterwards. To inquire about a speaker for your next engagement, contact the American Program Bureau at 800-225-4575 or visit our website at apbspeakers.com. The American Program Bureau, making history one speech at a time. It is raucous. It is fun. So get up and go for it. Take the family, take the friends, take the entire neighborhood to the rip-roaring racing fun at Ocean Speedway in Watsonville. Friday and Saturday nights are fair nights at Ocean Speedway, and that means you can get in on all the raucous racing fun free with your fair admission. So make plans to head out to the Santa Cruz County Fairgrounds and get in on more fun than you can possibly imagine with the fair and the races. Ocean Speedway is located at the Santa Cruz County Fairgrounds, just two miles east of downtown Watsonville on Highway 152. Get up and go for the loud, raucous, rip-roaring racing fun this Friday night at Ocean Speedway. Friday and Saturday nights are fair nights at Ocean Speedway, and that means you can get in on all the raucous racing fun free with your fair admission. Greetings, folks. This is Randy the Realtor. Time is running out. The clock is ticking. This is probably the last year the government is going to waive taxes on debt forgiveness. If you're still upside down on your mortgage, you better make some important decisions soon, ones that you can live with. Whether it's your own home or whether it's an investment property, you need to figure it out. Give me a call so you know where to get the facts and make good decisions. 831-566-2590. This Saturday out in Santa Cruz will be pre-recorded. Do you know why? Because my husband and I are renewing our wedding vows and you're in the ceremony. Oh, that's right. Listen to Out in Santa Cruz this Saturday at 7 p.m. on KSCO as we share stories of love and loss. Sean and Mikey's love story and some of the LGBT Americans who lost their lives on September 11th, 2001. I'm Sean. And I'm Steph. And and you've you've been been queered. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former Senator from Florida, Connie Mack III. And before the break, we were talking about the need for straight talk and honesty in our nation's capital, and also by the mainstream media. And you were making the point that many Americans have become disenfranchised or angry because of what they're seeing. So how do we turn those emotions into something more productive? Well, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is that we have some more rational discussions that take place on <clears throat> uh, the, the, on television, in the internet, on the internet, and um, on radio. Um, it's it's just too dominated today uh, by uh, the kind of gotcha um, uh, approach or the mean spirited attitudes that um, that are expressed. Um, I agree. I think it's just pouring uh, gasoline on polarization in the country. And I, these rageaholics that get on radio are not doing anybody a service. Yeah, they're not. They're not. You know, I, I, maybe just to turn this discussion a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, first of all, I must say that I'm embarrassed to say I have not read the uh, uh, Watchman's Rattle yet. But I'm going to. <laughs> well, we're going to send you a copy. <laughs> I, I, I was reading uh, something about it before, you know, over the last couple of days, and it reminded me when I was a, you know, a younger younger man getting my, in my in my early days in politics that. Uh, the writings of, of Toffler and, and Nesbitt, you know, were I, I, you know, were very important to me as how I looked at politics, and I, I, I've often thought that it would be good to get back and talk with Alvin again and Heidi, and to ask them, um, you know, the third wave, you know, what they said would happen in our country has in fact taken place, and yes. some of the comments that Nesbitt made about politics and the, the, the system has changed. It used to be that. You know, you had a precinct worker that was providing information up the line to the politicians. Now, basically, those precinct workers have been replaced by the local television uh, crews that go out into the community. Mm-hmm. And so the, 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 I guess the place or the point of influence seems to be changing. And, and maybe that, that shifting from that precinct worker to a, a local television uh, news uh, team Somehow or another, it has severed the connection 
between what is happening in the world and what's happening in a community. I don't know. It's just blithering off the top of my head. No, I don't think that's blithering. I think it's a very accurate diagnosis. Uh, And I also think that as technology has made it easier and easier for the volume, the velocity, and the variety, and even the veracity that we don't know of information to travel at uh, remarkable speeds that Toffler, Nesbitt, and everyone really predicted. Um, you know, we, it's a question of whether, and I think this is where you and I are in violent agreement, whether the human organism itself has matured enough to be able to uh, use that technology, use that information in a, in a, in a, uh, in a way that's for the benefit of the greater good, or whether we succumb to lower instincts and uh, we use that for the betterment of just ourselves at the expense of the greater good. And I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure you that know, we're I, mature enough. You know, there's uh, uh, one of the political um, um, comments that's made uh, a lot is about the uh, uh, in, uh, is it the income gap um, you know, the high income versus the low income, mm-hmm. the gap gets larger and larger and larger. And I think that I, I would make the, the case that there is also a gap in, um, in um, I, don't, I don't know that I would say intellect, but knowledge and wisdom on one hand, and then just the... Well, uh, also information. This is a big problem. Yeah. We had Andrew Ross Sorkin uh, on the program, who, of course, is the co-anchor of Squawk Box and a, a financial uh, chief of, right. of mergers uh, reporter for The New York Times. And, uh, you know, when Andrew Ross Sorkin comes on my program and says the market is rigged, we have a problem. Yeah. And, he, and it's rigged for one reason, and that is access to information. That these large financial institutions on Wall Street, they have access to information that it's not that it isn't available to the public. It's just that you have to be in that industry and be dialed into everything that's going on in order to get the jump. So the people that are doing day trading at home really don't have a chance. I think I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I remember years ago making some of my first little investments based on something that I had read in the newspaper. Well, <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's at least 15 days to 40 days old. And, and, but you're right. If you're if you're if you're not in the center of it, you don't have that information. Anymore. And that information is a distinct advantage and it creates a predatory environment. Yeah. And that's back to human nature. In a predatory environment, there will always be those that are looking out for the greater good. But there will be also those that succumb to those predatory instincts. And I think we're seeing that play out in a really sophisticated way. Very sophisticated, yeah. It, it is. And, and then, you know, in the meantime, you, uh, while that predatory environment is raging on, you have some leaders like yourself saying, well, we do have to deal with Medicaid. We have to deal with Social Security. We have to deal with these welfare programs. So it feels to the people that are on the bottom rung of society that not only am I trying to survive a predatory environment where the tax code is 74,000 pages, let alone the Affordable Health Care Act. The Affordable Health Care Act, to me, looks more complicated than the tax code. <laughs> Am I wrong? I believe it is. Oh, no, no, no. You, you, are exact, you are absolutely right. I mean, I've spent a fair amount of my time uh, throughout my life in the health care industry. And uh, I, you know, I, I spent uh, eight years as chairman of the board of the Moffitt Cancer Center uh, in Tampa, which uh, you know, is a wonderful, wonderful place. But the the challenges that come with with respect to all of the various programs and rules and regulations is is it's it's an incredible challenge and a very and, and we had uh, Nancy Pelosi you know putting her hand on top of the affordable health care act and saying uh, you know, I'm really glad we passed it, so now we can read it and try to understand what's in it, which, I mean, if ever there was a, an admission of complexity, you know, it's right there. By the way, how how do you feel? I mean, you've been a great advocate of health care throughout your career. Uh, how do you feel about the Affordable Health Care Act? Is that a good thing for the country? I, I don't believe so. I mean, I, 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 I work from a, from a basic instinct that says that the more you centralize control over something, the less control you have of it. 
Mm. And that's what's happening. In, 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 they, 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 so many decisions are going to be made uh, or put into the hands of fewer and fewer and fewer people that is going to be, I think, it's going to be a real significant problem, not just for, for health care, but for the economy as well. Well, I think people are, you know, large corporations right now, as a matter of fact, are hiring consultants to try to figure out what it is and how to administer it properly. So I think you're absolutely right. We are in for a bumpy road. Well, believe it or not, that's our program for today. But before we say goodbye, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for your service to our country. And uh, I'd like you to think about running again, Mr. Mack. <laughs> I never should have said that. I speak for a lot of listeners today. I'm going to get a lot of email about this, I know. But thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. If your station is leaving us after this hour and you'd like to comment on today's program, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or send me a note on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. We're all over the Internet. So drop me a line and let me know how you feel about our conversation with Connie Mack III. And if you missed the full interview with Mack or any of our other guests, you can download previous episodes of the Costa Report from our website, Apple iTunes, Podbean, and also our new YouTube channel. And I also want to take a moment to thank listeners who have ordered the Watchman's Rattle from our website and encourage those of you who haven't picked up your copy to go to RebeccaCosta.com and order it straight away. 100% of the proceeds from book sales go toward keeping quality programming like the Costa Report on the air. All you have to do is turn on the radio and television today to see for yourself just how polarized and sensationalized the media has become. And though we all do a lot of complaining about the mainstream media, We don't seem to think there's much we can do about it, but it's not true because the very fact that you're tuned into the Costa Report makes all the difference in the world. This is a program for thinking people. We're one of the last bastions of independent, self-syndicated programming on the air today. So you do your part and pick up a copy of The Watchman's Rattle at RebeccaCosta.com. My guest next week blew the lid off of the industrial food industry with his best-selling book, Fast Food Nation, and now he's back to do it again with his expose on nuclear weapons. Investigative journalist Eric Schlosser will be with us to talk about accidental missile explosions, rogue officers, and nuclear security breaches. Don't miss Eric Schlosser next week right here on the Costa Report, the one program you can count on week after week to put principles ahead of politics. Now, Stay tuned for the second hour of the Costa Report when we hear what you have to say about our conversation with Senator Connie Mack III. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.